America is failing because this is what American homes and churches look like, spiritually speaking. A lot of people hungry, wanting something, but nobody stepping up to say, take your Bible, turning your Bible, take a stand, this is what we're going to do. And I, I thought about that, how some, somebody's, somebody's got to lead. Somebody has, has just, whether it's Brother Greg walking out here to lead the choir, or them coming out here to lead the worship, or somebody walking to a class. What if our classes were like that? What if your kids walked into a class and nobody ever stood up and said, grab your Bibles, kids. We're going to study this, kids. Let me tell you what's right, kids. Let me tell you what's wrong, kids. What if everybody wanted to be the bystanders? What if everybody wanted to sit in the pew and say, ah, I just came to get it. I, I didn't want to, don't, don't pull me into that side of it. I just, I, it's not me. He said, well, then we'd fall apart. If we had a service and nobody jumped up to preach, I guarantee you at least half the people next Sunday would not show up. Why would they? The, the church would fall apart because everybody would be in there. I'm not going to just go there and sit. I'm going to find somebody and wait for somebody to say, hey, I've got an idea. You guys want to come with me? Yeah, I'll come. You know why? Because people are starving for leadership. Even if I stood here and said, glad you're all here today. Just open up to your favorite Bible verse and read it this morning. And then get, get, we'll give a couple of hugs and shake some hands and we'll go our separate ways. You say, no, it's just the, the, the church. The, the, Bible, the Bible has this thing called preaching. And he, and he lays messages on people's hearts and has them walk to uh, the center stage and open their Bible and go at it and say, we need that. You know why we need that? Because God designed us to need that. It's the way God made us. So many of you are turning your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17. We've studied this subject of contending for the faith. The secret of winning battles starts in our heart. So today, it's not going to just be an arena of your life. I, I want to see the bigger picture of this. We start with the heart of the fighter, how it's inward, not outward. It's not about how much you do. It's not about how much you go. It's not about how much you know. It's not about all these things that people put in because those people burn out. They punch and they fight and whatever, but if you've got a weak heart, you're going down. You might be able to swing for a year or two or ten, you know, if it's in reality of a fight, ten minutes, and then you're like, oh, oh man, I just, I'm just so tired. I just, you know, and, and that's how we've got a lot of people that are like that, parents that are like, oh, I just... You know, ministries, that they're just like, man, I just can't do this. I need somebody else to take my class because you're, it's, it's a heart matter. It's not, it's not just a matter of go, 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 go. It, it's a heart matter. Then we went from there to the strength of the fighter. And the, we talked about how Solomon sat down with his son and he said, get truth, get understanding, because this, this is everything. And the word of God is the strength of us. And the word of God is our, our connection to our relationship with God. And from the word of God, it gets into our hearts and to our minds. And God gives us the knowledge. And from knowledge comes wisdom. And from wisdom comes victory. 
But, the, but when God is in our hearts, God's the one that sits there and says, you need to back off. You need to speak up. You need to sit down. You need to step up. And again, God does those things. And we talked about the warning of the fire. And Solomon says to his son, you better guard your heart. You better watch where you step. You better watch where you go. You better watch what you put into your heart and mind. You better watch all these things because every decision you make matters. One step this direction is one step in the wrong direction if it's not where God's leading. And everybody gets to the wrong places one step at a time. Nobody just jumps into a mass. It's one step at a time. And so he said to guard your heart. So we wrap up today this series and understanding that everything that Solomon was coaching his son to do was for a reason. He was training a fighter to fight. It wasn't just about great, now you got all this knowledge and understanding, and I'll relate that to the church. Every time we come in here and we talk about Jesus saves and what an awesome song and powerful message, and Nicole getting up and just all of this to, to fill your hearts and to fill your brain and to stir you up, and then I say, take your Bible, take out your Bible. We're being trained for something. You understand, if, if kids just went to school and they got all the knowledge, and they did nothing with it, you'd say, why did you spend 12 years in high school and elementary? Why did you spend four years in college just to sit on? We turn around and say, hey, go do something with what you've been given. Go apply the knowledge. Go do something with your life. Take every blessing that you had of all the knowledge and all the gifts and all the blessings of every teacher and professor that's invested in you over these years and do something with it. And all of us would say, amen to that. Why should it be any different with the church? I've been coming to church for 35 years. What are you doing with it? I've got the word of God. It's cover to cover the truth. It, it, it's God's inerrant word. And it's got the power to save, convict, and change, and woo people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Great! What are you doing with it? I, 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 I was raised in a Christian home, and I was given this, and I was given that, and I have this, and I have that. Great! What are you doing with it? Because to whom much is given, much shall be required. I feel like there's this coliseum of people that God has, and everybody's sitting there saying, give me more, give me more. And God says, what are you going to get up and do something with what I've given you? Because the whole point of a healthy heart, and the whole point of guarding a heart, and the whole point of everything that Solomon did that because Solomon was raising a son to be a leader and to make a difference. I'm going to take a passage that I actually struggled with not wanting to preach this. Just because I know it's so familiar that I feel like sometimes we read into it and we go, Oh, I've heard this before. But David and Goliath. And David was on his, uh, his, David was there in the field and Solomon told him to go get him. And, and he told him not to look on the outward, but look on the inward. And there is this dude, probably as tall as Ray, I don't know. And this dude was ready to fight, and he was picking a fight, and God was preserving him for this. Now, let me, let me read this, okay? So we're, we're going to talk about this dude right here. I was going to say ugly. Do you care if I call you ugly just for the sake of this? Okay, all right. Now the Philistines gather together. Can I be, I'm going to be a children of Israel. If you, guys, you guys are probably thinking, why is he down here? I'm, I'm with you guys right now, okay? And there was children of Israel. There was a gap between them, and then there was one guy in the middle. Who was the guy in the middle? Goliath. So here's all these people that know the Lord. Woo, 
here's you guys. All these people that have the truth. All these people that know that with God anything is possible. All these people. So you guys are my sermon illustration today. And there was one dude out there wreaking all those problems. All right. Ugly dude. And the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle and were gathered together and show up. What's that word? Okay. And belonging to Judah and pitched between that place and Ezekah and they were all there together. <laughs> and Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and preached in the valley of Elah and set battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountainside on one side and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. And there was the valley between them and went out a, what's the word? And there went out a what? Champion. Champion. You need to know that. Out of the camp, the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, and had the helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of his coat was 5,000 shekels of brass, and da 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 and all that goes out there. So, so the, the, here, here's, I'm going to give you the three points this morning. Number one, there is an enemy to face. I'm, I'm telling you guys as an army right now that we've already gone through the prep work and they're only there on the sidelines because they've already gone through, get this, get that, armor of God, know this, know that, whatever. So we've, we've got that part. Now, now they're there. Okay, the army is there. And, and right now, I, I want you to notice that he is a champion. God's word labeled him as that. Which literally means this guy that's coming out here, you could, you, could, you could name this guy the devil if you want. You can label this guy the world if you want. You could label this guy your flesh. Whatever it is, it's the opposition that you will face and are facing in your life. It's, it's not a theory. There's not a maybe so one day. I promise you there is a Goliath, something bigger and stronger than you. And if we're using the illustration of Satan, he is a champion. Not something, don't, don't make a bumper sticker out of that. Satan is my champion. I don't want nothing, nothing like that. But the honest truth of what God's word says, he was. You know why? He had already won a lot of battles. Does it sound anything like Satan? He's already won a lot of battles. He was good at fighting. He was good at victories. He was good at bringing people down. He was effective at what he did. He he had all the equipment that he needed. He was equipped to bring people down. He was a champion. You see, the enemy has a plan. This champion is out to destroy churches and homes and futures and young people. He's a champion. He's equipped. He has every weapon necessary. And you say, well, I didn't even read it all just for the sake of time. But it goes on and on and on and says of what he has. Now, I just did the modern day thing to, to do it. Ray, you just got boxing gloves. This guy was decked out head to toe. You know why? The Bible is illustrating the fact that he had everything he needed. Now listen to this. He was equipped with everything he needed to bring you down. And I'm saying you because I'm, I'm talking to you guys as the children of Israel this morning. If he, if he knew from the past that this and this would come this way, he would block that. You see, Satan comes out and he's equipped with lust and greed and hate and everything else under the sun. He knows to go after your heart with pride. He knows all these things. He knows how to get you. He is equipped to get you. 
He is ready to take you down. You say, how, how, how do you know that? He was equipped. He was confident. Look at verse 9. If he be able to fight me and to kill me, then I will be your servants. I, you talk about cocky. He just turned around and one guy looks at a congregation of saying, bring me your best. I don't even know who it is, but you bring me one guy. I will rip his face off, give it back to you, and I will make you my slaves. You talk about confidence. Do you know why Satan has so much confidence? Because there's so many people sitting down and doing nothing. We've given him his confidence. We've not given him a fight. Forty days he talked to God's people. Forty days talking to God's people. You know what God's people did? Ran and hid. Yeah, he had confidence. <laughs> you think they got somebody new today? Yeah, you think they, they, they're recruiting some champion from another country or whatever that's going to come? Yeah, I'll be your slave. I'll be your servant. Come on, bring it on. I'm not afraid. I have nothing to be fearful of. And I love the fact that the one that comes and takes him down is the little brother that shows up with a bag of cheese. And just, that's how awesome our God is. He's confident. He's persistent. Look at verse 16. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself for 40 days. Let me tell you about something with Satan. He's not going away. He said, I'm just tired of fighting. I don't want to do this. I'm here to tell you he's not going anywhere. I mean, I think day 10 would be like, oh, man, he's back. Day 40, he just shows up here again, morning and evening, saying the same thing. He rehearsed the same way. Is anybody out? You know, he's probably getting to the point where they're like, why don't you guys come out here and say it? I'm so tired of telling all these Christians that you're challenging them to bring me down. I'm so tired of it. God's people, the chosen of Israel, and God's mighty. Oh, go out there and just tell them. 40 days, I'm so sick of this. He's persistent. And notice how vocal he was. Over and over again, he's yelling and screaming to the children of Israel. And Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. He mocked their God. He mocked their nation. He defied them. Satan screams his message loud and clear of what he is, who he is, what he stands for. He gets on our media, he gets on our internet, he gets on our TV, he gets on every chance he gets, and he gets up there and screams in our faces. And all we do is, oh, I can't do anything against him. Oh, he's so big and he's so strong and he's so equipped and look at the army behind him and all these other things. And God's saying, boy, you're looking at the wrong things. God's just sitting there in the middle going, are you guys hearing this? Look at him. And then, then God pulls, and I know this isn't the way it happened. God was like, bring me a child. I need a child, little boy, ready. What do you want us to quit? Just give him some rocks. Just, I don't care. I just need to prove to these people that I have this down. I, I need to prove to these people that with God, all things are possible. It doesn't matter your history, your background. David showed up. David did not have the armor. David did not have the background. David did not have all those things. What did David have? David had the heart of God. 
And that I've, been, I've been building you guys up for this all this time. David just simply had, hey, what's going on? Hey, that ain't right. Hey, let's do something. That's what David had. And God said, I can do anything with that. I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can, if I just had a husband that had a heart to say, God, I will do anything. God said, I'll do, I can use that. God had a Sunday school teacher. And he said, man, I can't even get through to these kids. God says, just give me your heart. And watch what I can do with simply giving me your heart. This guy was out there. He's not afraid to speak up. Notice, and this is the reason why. Look at verse 10. And the Philistine says, said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together when Saul and all of Israel. Listen to this. When Saul, the man that had height and shoulder, or shoulder above all the other men, and all of Israel... Heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear. You say, what does that mean? I'm going to label that entire children of Israel under one statement right there. They did not have the heart that we've studied for the last three weeks. Because I'm telling you, when you have the heart of God, like David showed up, he had the heart of victory to know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. He was messing with their head and giving them that fear all that time. Thank you, Ray. I'm not, you guys probably thought I was going to throw a rock at him, didn't you? <laughs> there is an enemy to face, without a doubt. But let me, let me take you in and bring you to the next step of this. There's not only an enemy to the face, but let's start bringing this home. There's a challenge to accept. There's a challenge to accept. 40 days, and after the 40 days, something changed. A man shows up. No, not even a man. They called him a boy. He had a different heart. He was a young man that has been spending his time with God, spending his time out there with, with sheep and alone and just saying, God... You know, you're my shepherd. And Lord, though I walk through the valley to shut it up, man, I'm not going to fear no evil because you're with me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Boy, Lord, your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Lord, I, I, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You've anointed my head with oil. Lord, you've, you've given me Lord, the, the power of God upon my life. You, you see, that's all that's going on behind the scenes. He, he didn't show up and be like, oh, we need to do something. No, he, he was led. Remember the wisdom of God is God putting his hands and, and discernment upon your life? That, that is God with you to sit there and say, we got this, man. And fear was left out because he was walking with God. Notice this. In verse 22, and David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came to salute his brethren. And he was talking with them, and behold, came out a champion, the Philistine of Gath, named Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words, same message. But this time David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, for they were so afraid. Here they are, they're all grouped together on the sidelines. Let, let, let me tell you guys just a little inside information here. This is how it works. There has never been a boxing match won from the stands. There has never been a football game won from the sidelines. 
Never. I mean, I don't know all the stats of football and stuff, but that's a stat that I know is true. Nobody has ever sat and watched and actually scored. It just doesn't happen. We we could go on and on and, and, and illustrate, but I'm here to tell you, no battles can ever be won unless we run into the battle. I'm here to tell you, and you say, why, why are we in a mess? Why are churches in a mess? Because we're not facing the already won battle that God has promised us to go face. It's just a matter of we cannot just sit there and go, things are bad. Watch the news last night. Things are getting worse. Things are bad. Things are bad. Things are bad. That's the children of Israel. All the children of Israel sitting on the side. Oh, things are bad. He's a bad man. He's this. And David was like, and what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it, guys? Because sitting here is not going to do anything to help the battle out there. And I know this is simple, but I feel like that's the message that I should be preaching to us as a church every Sunday. I, I, I come before the church to just say, hey, guys, hey, hey, bells and mangers and styrofoam sets and carpet and stage and screws and everything. You say, why are we doing all that? Because we're not going to reach people by sitting. That's it. Everything that we do, the warfare is not throwing rocks at giants. But it is engaging the things that God lays on our hearts to go into where they're at and to try to stand up against the devil and say, I know you're dragging people to hell, but I'm going to stand here and you're going to have to go through me to get to my family. You're going to have to go through me. I'm not going to just sit here and be silent and ignore it. These guys are sitting on the sidelines. Let me just paint a picture for you. Look at verse 18. David runs into this, and his father tells him to bring all this cheese and things like that. Now listen what he says, and carry these ten cheeses unto the captain of their thousand. I don't know what you picture in your mind. He said, your brothers have a captain. That captain is over a thousand people. Just that one thousand people. And this is the three older brothers. There's other brothers that are in there. This is the best of the best. These are the ones that have been given everything. They've been given the equipment. They've been given the opportunities. They've been given the, uh, the, the training. They've been given the battle, all these different things. And you say, what is the point of that? Because it's not a matter of them not being equipped. It's not a matter of them not being aware. It's not a matter of any of those things. It was simply a matter that none of them was willing to trust God to get off the sidelines to run into the battle. I love this part. Verse 26, and David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this some circumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? What was on David's mind? He was, he was sitting there going. He wasn't worried about how big he was. He wasn't worried about what he said or what he was wearing and all these others. So he goes, hey, he's, he's going against my God. Remember last week when we were preaching about that, how... When, 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 when we have the heart of God and we guard our hearts, when somebody starts speaking profanity against my God and doing all these different things, we ought to speak up and say, hey, that's not right. Amen. That's what David was doing here. He was turning around, guys, we have to do something because what we're seeing is not right. And Christians should stand when things are not right. And the people answered after him this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. 
here he starts talking about it, getting worked up about this. Look at verse 28. And Eliab, the eldest brother, heard when he spake to the men. Eliab's anger was angered and kindled against David. Isn't it funny when somebody stands up and wants to do something that there's going to be critics standing around saying, what are you doing? David was just trying to, at this point, David wasn't saying, let me go. He was just saying something should be done, and everybody else was like, who are you? Oh, you think you've arrived. You think you're all this. You think that. It's amazing how much criticism comes within the, own, within the army itself. He was getting hit just as hard from his own brothers as he was from Goliath standing on the sidelines. Why camest thou down hither? With whom hast thou left the few sheep in the wilderness? You don't sense the sarcasm there? And he said, why don't you go home to your two or three little sheep and just do your little shepherd thing? Because we really don't need you around here. I know thy pride and thy naughtiness of thy heart. Did he? Because the thing was, he was the only one there that had a heart for God. See, the thing is, you better be careful when you try to judge the hearts of other people. They might not look like you, they might not act like you, and you might not write them off of going, well, da, da, da. and God says, you have no idea. That snotty-nosed little kid showing up has more of a heart for me than all of these warriors standing on the sidelines with all their shiny, shiny armor standing there. He turned around and said, what are you doing? He was bothered, and he said, you know what? I can't sit here, I can't do this. David, David not, did not have the look, the experience, the title, the uniform, or anything else. But what David had was the power of God. This is an incredible principle. Because you're standing there saying, man, God, I, I want to go there. And I want to do this. And I want to take a stand. And I want to get out of my shell. And Lord, whatever it is. And, and I can't lay before you what that is. God's going to show you. See, David didn't show up that day to fight Goliath. David showed up that day to deliver cheese. Okay, just understand that. David showed up to deliver cheese, but God had bigger plans for David. Amen. Here's the thing. Son, go, go take care of the sheep. Yes, Dad. I'll go take care of the sheep. Son, take these cheeses to the... Yes, Dad, I'll go take the cheeses. Hey, did you notice? I just want to point something out. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If God can't count you faithful with the little things, don't expect God to ever use you with the giants. You're sitting there, well, I'm, I'm too big and proud to, to do that job, and I've been here, I've done this, and I done. And God says, well, I can't use you then. God, God said, David was just like, okay, God, okay, God, okay, God, go fight that giant. Okay, God. It was just like, no matter what, it was, it was just God was guiding his footsteps every step of the way. God was setting it up because he had a heart just to please God, no matter what it was. It wasn't about excelling himself or lifting himself up. Just, Lord, use me however, and I will obey you, and I will follow you. The heart of this fighter. See, the thing is, David didn't show up with everything that everybody thought that he needed, but God has a way of qualifying the unqualified. Don't sit there and say, I can't do that. I can't be on that stage. I can't teach that class. I can't, I can't, I can't. God says, with me, I can do anything through you. And see, David was answering the call. David's heart was beating with conviction. He was stirred up. He felt God working in his mind, and all these things was going to him. In verse 29, and David said, what have, I, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? David turns to his brother that's telling him. He's filled with all this pride. He goes, what have I done? All I'm doing is pointing out what every one of you should be pointing out. And he turned toward, now listen to this. I love this. Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another. 
and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again in the former manner. He said, what's going on here? David turns to his brothers, guys, shouldn't we be doing something? I know I'm just a kid, and I know I don't have the armor, and I'm just standing here with a bag of cheese, but shouldn't something be done? Go away, son, we don't care. Okay, hey, dude. Hey, shouldn't something? And he did. He just turned to the next person he said because he was fired up. He was just trying to find somebody that would turn around and do something. We're going to realize something through this. Like, I don't know why, because in my mind, I'm thinking David should have said, is there not a cause? I will go and fight. But the whole thing was, David was said, maybe even battled with in his own heart. I'm not qualified. I'm not the man. I'm not going to have all these things. Even to the point where Saul said, why don't you wear my armor? And David said, I've not tried your armor. Here's the thing. David said, I just need to be me. Don't try to turn me into you, Saul. I just need to do this thing the way that God's equipped me to do this thing. See, see there's a call. There, there, there's a fight. It, it, it's got to be engaged. And it's only going to happen when Christians start opening their eyes going, hey, that's right. Hey, this isn't right. Hey, I should do something. Hey, I can do something. I'm not good, but maybe, maybe. There's an enemy to face. There's a challenge to be accepted. And here's the last thing. There is a battle to be won. Now, I, I, I'm using this David and Goliath illustration. And my whole thing was not to get out there and David took the stone and he ran up there and he took it and, you know, and sing the little song and all that other stuff. That's, you guys know the story. And, and, and I'm telling you, I'm and it's teaching you, preaching to you to go out and face your giants and to stand up and to fight for God, whatever that situation is. But I'd rather close rather than bringing down the giant because you all know that. But have you turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16? Here's what motivated me from begin with. Too many of us have the mindset. If we were David in this passage, we would be like, well, we need to just, we need to figure out how to get out of this mess. Because this isn't good and he's not going away and maybe we can go out there and negotiate or whatever. No, that's not what David was thinking. But that's how we are a lot of it. It's we, we, we have to have the mind of God because sometimes we just have the mind to get through. I, I, I just wanna, I want to, I want to raise okay kids. I want to I see my class be okay. I, I, see, the thing is, God, with even the stage and the pageant and everything, we've got to keep praying that God does exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. See, the thing is, I don't want to be in this to survive. I want to be in this to win it. If I'm going to do it, I want to go all out. If there's a giant, I want to cut his head off. And I know that sounds morbid. Don't quote me on that. Don't tweet that. But, you know, if there, if there is something to do, I, I, Lord, if you're going to use me to do it, help me go all the way with it. You see, that's the type of God. That's the God I serve. My God gives me the abilities to win it. Not just to exist, not to survive. That's why I get really dismayed when I talk to people and say, man, how's things going? Oh, I'm just getting through. <laughs> oh, yay. <laughs> trying to keep my head above water. Just trying to survive. Trying to keep afloat. Trying to... And I'm just thinking, wait, 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 children of Israel. That's not the way God created us to be. Our prayers should not be, well, we hope we have a few people show up. No, I pray that God blows the doors out every night. I, I'm not just saying, oh, I hope somebody's saved. Somebody's saved. I hope, we, I hope we pack out the altar every night. He said, how can you have that kind of prayer? Okay, here's, here's this. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with the might, with the might 
with might by his spirit in the inner man. What did I tell you guys before? It's not an outward thing. It's not all these things. Stages and all of this do not save souls. It's not going to change lives. It's not. It's God working in us as just vessels on the honor of saying, whatever you want, whatever you want. To be strengthened by the might, by his spirit of the inner man. That Christ might dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. That is a relationship with God. Rooted and grounded in love. Not rooted and grounded in service. That's how men fail. Not rooted and grounded in traditions or anything. That's how people fail. Rooted and grounded in love. Now unto him that is able. No one to him that is able. What's your vision? What, what, do you, what do you want to see God do? My God is able. You, you fill in the blank. Sit there, it's like, hey, our marriage is falling apart. We can't get along. Let me turn around. God is able. You try, how do you know that? He promised me that. You turn around and say, oh, my, my, my kids or my job or my this or my that. I'm here to tell you my God is totally capable of conquering and doing. Amen. I'm downplaying it. <laughs> to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. God literally says, hey, those guys are asking for souls to be saved. Those guys are asking for, for the lives to be changed and the place to be filled, God says, I could do above even what they could even imagine. That's how God works. Exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. See, how did David run out there and do that? See, it wasn't David. David was simply nothing more than a vessel unto God. He was nothing more than the guy out there saying, Lord, what do I do? I have no idea what to do. Get out there and say this. Hey, you're going to, you know, every, every bit of that was just God working through his life. And man, when the day comes, when you realize it's not you and all those guys saying, man, if I was out there, I'd swing this really hard. And, I, 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 and God said, man, I'd do it. It's not what you think. It's not being wise in your own eyes. It's not how you have it all figured out. It's just that surrendered heart that David had. And David walked out there that day, and God just said, throw that rock. And I believe God took the rock. God smacked it in and said, God threw him to the ground. God did all that. God did it. And at the end of the day, there's this dopey little kid standing out there with a slingshot. And these two armies are sitting down there just going, huh? And he's just like, what? God wants to do that with your life in this church. Where the community just stands back and goes, What? How, 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 did, how did they? It just, it's all God. You see, there is a raging battle all around us. You're facing it in your home. We're facing it as a church. We're facing it as a nation. But I'm here to tell you that it's not hopeless. But it will be hopeless until we get up and say, God, I'll do it. I don't believe David showed up that day going, all right, God, I five rocks. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to smack him hard. I'm going to do this. He didn't know. He was just every, every step. You know what happened after that? They picked him up. How do you go from a no-name, nobody boy on the backside of nowhere when God comes in and says, you're going to be the next king over Israel? Huh? How? Who? How, how am I ever going to get from being a shepherd boy to a king? Through obedience, 
David shows up. Here's some cheese. Oh, that man's doing bad. Oh, strike him dead. Guy falls over the head. Cuts off head. Head goes up. Guy turns around. They pick him up. They carry him into the city. David has killed his thousands. Uh, or Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. Oh, look at that. That guy's a leader. He said, how did all that happen? God, 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 God. And from that, that little boy became one of the greatest writers, greatest musicians, greatest leaders, and greatest kings that's ever lived. Because he just simply figured out that God has the answers. It's all about God. Filling your life with the wisdom of God and walking every step of my life is not my own. Wherever you lead me, I'm going to glorify you. So man, I thought fighting the good fight of faith was this, this, and this. It's a heart thing. It's simply raising your hand and saying, God, I can't without you, and I need you. God, help me, help me, help me. You fill in the blanks because you know the area of your life that you need help. 